Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes, what is up everybody and welcome to that Fortress's favorite podcast in soccer with trust. I'm Jimmy Trashcan. Also known as Jim, alongside Hollywood Heath Pierce and Charlie Chuck Wagon Morning Footy Golasso Show Davies. And like always, we've got some tasty things to discuss, like our former teammate Oguchi Anyewu getting hired to a prominent position Gooch. in U.S. soccer. The round of 16 for the U.S. Open Cup now being set after this week's results. And our U-20 roster for the U-20 World Cup being released. But first, Chuck, anything you want to get ahead of today so that you, you don't get triggered? Maybe you can trigger yourself. So yes. <laughs> um, definitely not going to trigger myself. I'm in, I'm in a, I'm in a positive mood, positive vibes. I always am, but today I feel really high just because you got the, the Golazo show coming up. So big uh, Europa league showdowns, Sevilla, Juve, big one, Roma, Bayern Leverkusen. So I, I'm, I'm hyped about that. Then you have Gooch getting the, the big job. I mean, how, how, how many times have we clamored for that? Are, are you Gooch? are you a are you a Matt Crocker fan now that he hired Gooch? <laughs> I'm 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 waiting to see what happens, but I'm I'm happy that Gooch has been hired. He's got some guy has He's got a voice. The guy has earned it. And then, um, in terms of the U20 roster drop, like a lot of talent. Sure, we didn't get every player, but a lot of talent. These guys should do well with this tournament, and I'm excited to watch them play. So. Um, yeah. Uh, and also, way. also, you got one more thing for us. You got to leave. Apparently, yes, I got. <laughs> I got to bounce. I got a show. He's Galazza got TV. Show. Everybody, Charlie Davies. Network. Charlie, Charlie, Love appreciate you, you, buddy. Great to see you. Thanks for stopping by. Charlie Davies is bounced. He's out. What a Billy big timer, Heath. Yeah, he, he has really become. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Like just the fact that he stopped in, just to like tip his hat to us. And just to show that he, <laughs> just doing he, us a he solid. yeah, just like to show that this is his show also, but he's letting <laughs> us, he's, he's like, just letting us like borrow it, you know, just like his houses or his yachts and these types of things. It's just like making sure that he comes in to remind people that, uh, that, uh, this is his and we're just like, this is our show, but his world, Jimmy, I guess is a better way, uh, that we're living <laughs> in his world. We're having our show in his world, you know? All right. Let's talk then about this U20 world cup roster. I think it's a good one. 
For everybody that uh, is unaware, the U20 World Cup is kicking off in Argentina. It's supposed to be in Indonesia. They got taken away, and now it's in Argentina. Argentina is now in the tournament when they didn't actually qualify. That's wild. That part's wild. It that is. It wild. is a little wild. Now, there are 24 teams in the tournament. 16 will advance to the knockout rounds. You have the top two in each group, and then the four best third-place teams, which bodes well. I want to give everybody some context with regard to that because there were some roster selections here by Mikey Varas, the U20 coach. Namely, Kevin Paredes from Wolfsburg, who won't be available until May 27th, okay? And the knockout rounds start on May 30th. So he got selected, and Mikey Varas has come out and said that we are hoping that we can get through the group stages and then get Paredes in there and then Rakas Pushkas to come in from hit split. They play the Croatian Cup final on May 24th, and I think both of those guys will be available uh, for the knockout rounds. That's a big risk. Obviously, very important players. And I think once we get to the knockout rounds, and I think that we will, we have a group with Ecuador who only won one game to get into the hex of the South American qualifying and only won one game in that one out of the five that they played to get into the fourth place. They, I mean, they eked into this, but Ecuador beat us in the quarterfinals in the last U-20 World Cup. So we have some revenge to pay. We play them first. We got Fiji next, who did a good job of getting through Oceana's region. But when they played New Zealand in the final, they lost 3-0. We should be able to stomp on Fiji no matter, not say no matter who we have, but uh, given the talent that we have, whether yeah. Paredes and, and Pushkas are available or not. And then we play Slovakia last. They beat Austria in a, a one-game playoff to make this. This is an interesting game because Austria pumped them. Like 20 shots on goal. Slovakia only had maybe five or six. There were five red cards in this game. Mm. And, and there was a red card... Uh, right before Slovakia scored. So there's a lot of controversy around that particular one. They eke into this one as well. So we've got, a, I, for me, on paper, we have a pretty manageable group, meaning we should be one of the best third-place teams at, the, at a minimum. I think we can go on and win this group with the, with the players that we have. But, but I just wanted to give every, lay that out for everybody. The first game is on May 20th against Ecuador. And as we've learned from the Men's World Cup, Heath, you win that first game, uh, it bodes well to get out of the group. If you don't win that first game, even though Argentina proved everybody wrong when they won the World Cup after losing to Saudi Arabia in the last men's World Cup, it's 11% chance of getting through to the knockout rounds. That is without a third-place team. So I guess those percentages are a little bit off. But uh, I'm excited for this particular group of players. Any, anybody stand out for you? I know that there's no Jalen Neal. LA Galaxy wouldn't release him, even though he was a pivotal player for the U20 and they're qualifying. Uh, there's, there's um, yeah, I, the, I will the, say... The Chicago Fire players... Yeah, I mean, I mean, just on Jalen Neal, um, I, I actually did the the uh, LA Galaxy game last weekend, and there was an injury to Koulibaly, who was playing over Jalen Neal, and I think there was probably, and again, I'm I'm I could be wrong on this, but I'm and I'm speculating, but Caceres and Koulibaly played together, and I think there was an attempt to look at could this be a solution if Jalen Neal was gone. I know, but Jalen Neal is a starter on the team, and he's a really good player, and so it's tough to release. It's I, I again maybe I'm I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth with regard to like what Curtin said and agreeing with that, but also like looking at that. But we're, we're Galaxy are out in, in a season and you have a 90 minute center back player that's building value on the field, but also helping your team to hopefully turn the results around. That I think was on the fence. Uh, Koulibaly went down. I'm not sure what the update is on his injury, but that made it a lot harder because it's not like they've got four or five defenders at depth and they can just replace him. Right? They're likely at the point after three defenders where they're now digging deep into the lineup where they're like, okay, right up the spine of the team and in a really important position that may cost us results. Me cost me my job. If I'm Greg Vanny, I, I do get that one. Chicago, not so much because I'm like, eh, 
they're not a good enough team, I think, to, to, to turn around and make the playoffs um, or make make something of this season. But the Galaxy have a lot of good players. They're just not playing well. Um, and so I think there's probably a belief and a risk and not a replacement for him that makes it hard. Now, I would say with regard to Chicago, you got Paxton Aronson. That was a big surprise because we thought coming into this or the, when we did the last podcast, he was going to be in. Eintracht Frankfurt elects to not let him go. Mm-hmm. He won the golden ball for World Cup qualifying for us in CONCACAF. Uh, Chris Brady, the goalkeeper, won the Golden Glove as the best goalkeeper in the CONCACAF tournament for us to qualify for this. He's the goalkeeper not being released from the Chicago Fire. Now, Paxton Aronson, his n- number one backup was Brian Gutierrez, who's playing the number 10 spot for Chicago Fire as well. So those are pretty pivotal players, I would say, yeah. in terms of the makeup and how we want to play and how we've had success before. But you, the- you understand you understand the Aronson one, right, though? In the club, When a club... When a club, and, and again, I know this is a sliding scale because Chicago can just say, well, we developed these guys and therefore we've put our own money into him. It's not just about selling. But if a club buys you, like a Pax and Aronson, you can understand the argument a little bit more where they're like, no, we're, we're going to keep you in our, our environment. You're a first team player now. You're a nat, full national team player now or, or, or uh, imminently. Like, we're not going to let you go for this because what do we get out? We get nothing out of the, you being gone. Right, you know? right. But this is experience. I feel like there's this is, could be a once in a lifetime for some of these guys. There's no guarantee they're going to go on to our full team and play in a full men's World Cup, right? So this is, I know you can speak to to having a, 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 a well, I don't know how long you played with the U20s, but being a part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Now, I do want to get into something that Mikey Varis, the coach, said. And I think this is really important. It speaks to the Paxton Aronson situation in particular. He said, we're disappointed that some players weren't released. But at the same time, our number one priority here is individual player development. So we're also proud of the fact that these players have become so important during the cycle that they're no longer viewed as releasable for this type of tournament. And I like that mindset. I appreciate that he has that because he can go and, you know, squawk and be upset and throw his hands up and, and bitch in the press and the media about whatever. I think this is a very diplomatic response, but he's also right. It is about individual player development. and if. Paxton Aronson in particular is starting to play more meaningful minutes. Jalen Neal, Chris Brady, Brian Gutierrez. Then there's not much you can do. Your job has been done. Well done. And then there was also a talk about Ricardo Pepe, who would have been eligible for this. But Mikey Varas came out and said that he has graduated to the senior team and and, uh, in his eyes, no longer eligible for that. Now, I do want to give people some comparisons. France is running into some issues as well. They had 28 players that were not released by their clubs. So so it's not isolated uh, to us. France is the number one development, like youth development. And they just beat the us 4-0 right back in yeah. March in a friendly. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 like they are they are stacked. But that that was a that was a uh an international no, it wasn't an international window, was it? That they had the U20 thing happening. So I'm not sure who they released for that. But my my point is is that like France is the extreme end, but there's still probably 10, 12 countries in between France and us that are dealing with those issues with probably more bona fide arguments, right? I think Mikey Varis' uh, perspective on like it's it's a great thing that they're viewed like this. When I look at Brian Gutierrez and he played a full season last year, like he is an established first team player. He's playing every match this year. Uh, he, he's he's an established player within a, a club in a, in a in a top division, right? And so I get the argument to that. I think that is we are we are again getting close to that critical mass of players that are are playing at a young age the game is ultimately getting younger but they're playing at a young age consistently that it doesn't make sense to release them from the clubs or you're creating a 
attention with the clubs that before we would have been like, oh, it's a European club, doesn't matter. Now MLS clubs are like, this guy's crucial to my team. I can't release him. That's a huge compliment to the player, not just an ego thing of like, I'm going to be difficult to deal with. That's a big compliment to the player because that hasn't always been the case in Major League Soccer where every team are focused on winning a championship every single year. And therefore, they maybe default to player signings or older players or veteran players. Like to have young players be, young American players be crucial to a team to the point that they're like, I'm not letting them go. That's a good sign. It really is a good sign. Now, the, I, the depths of it, it might be a little bit tricky, but like, I, I, well, I think that's a great thing. I think that as a player, I'd be, I'd be kind of pissed, to be honest, to not be released for this, especially if I was on the Chicago Fire. But, but, and I'll give a personal example. Then I want to hear your story about the U-20s. I was gone with the national team in 2005 for the Gold Cup for eight weeks. I missed a lot of games with them, uh, with my MLS team, Kansas City Wizards. Shout out to the Wizards. And head coach Bob Gansler, who was our World Cup coach in 1990, who's done so much for the game, probably doesn't get the credit that he deserves, but uh, really important and influential at an important time of our development and growth of the game in this country. When I got back from that, there was that opportunity to play a friendly against Real Madrid in the Bernabeu. And I got asked to play. And Bob Gansler was like, nope, we need you. You've been gone for so long. We need to get back on track. We're not in a good position in the table. We were trying to make a run in the Open Cup. And I was pissed. When would I ever get another opportunity to play against Madrid in the Bernabeu? Like, never. We're talking Zidane, R9 Ronaldo, Raul, Beckham, Roberto Carlos, Iker Casillas, Sergio Ramos. It... You there? Yeah. Yeah. So sorry. Sorry. My computer just decided to, to freeze. So, so you go through this whole thing. And I was irate for about a day. I just like, I didn't understand it. And so what I ended up doing, or not actually what I ended up doing, Chad Marshall <laughs> got used as a, as a backup and he got called it instead. Well, yeah. Chad Marshall couldn't find his passport. And so the team, and that was like last minute. So the team was desperate. Steve Nichol was the coach. Desperate to just like, we, we need, and so Nichol called like, you got to let Jimmy go. And so I got to go and got to play. It was an incredible life-changing experience to have that opportunity to go up against some of the best players in the world. But I know it's not like for like, but you're taking away this, this incredible opportunity. And I think these players should rightfully be pissed off because, because they might not get this opportunity again. Anyway, tell us your story about the U20s. Yeah, it's hard, man. Like I was in college and they had postponed the U20 World Cup and because of that, I ended up taking off a, uh, a semester of school because the U20s was going to have like these every other month camps for like two weeks, right? So I took a semester off school. Second semester, I moved back to IMG. I was training with the U17s. I was training with the U18 national team when they came to town. I was training with MLS teams when they came to town. Um, just doing whatever I could to stay in that type of environment, knowing I was going to have to go like to, you know, uh, camps and things like that. I ended up not making the the roster for the U20 World Cup. At that time, that was the you, biggest you just thing. Just blow in the, it off, no big deal. No. I'll I make mean, the, I'll I, make the real one. It was boys. it was it was it was devastating, <laughs> but like at the time, that was the biggest thing in the world to me, right? Like there was nothing there was like the idea of being a professional soccer player at that point, the idea of of playing for the US men's national team. Those were dreams, those were goals, but like they weren't within reach, right? What was in within reach of me is I played good my first, my freshman season at, at university of Portland and I got called into the U 20 camp. Then I was off. Uh, then I took the semester off and I was training with the U twenties, trying to make myself a, a invaluable part of the, yeah, team. In, invaluable part of the team. 
I wasn't able to do that. And, and, but it was devastating for me. And the, the reason I say it was devastating for me is like, take out the context of why or, or whatever, uh, you know, we know Thomas Rongen said that if he had a chance to do it again, he would have taken me, which I appreciate, but like, do you um, appreciate it? That's yeah, burn, I do. That would, that would burn me a little no, more. Like, like I honestly, <laughs> I, I know at that point with the U twenties, like in my developmental cycle, I wasn't there yet. Like I wasn't, is that, it, is it that the U 20 U world cup that, uh, Subatich didn't get picked either. No, no, that was that was the that was the uh the next one. Um, next one, the next cycle. Yeah, who, so that who, was like who, I think that who my who group beat, was who beat you out. So Wait, it was say, say Jonathan. No, Bernstein. no, it wasn't Bornstein <laughs> yet. Uh, it was it was um um uh Zach Whitbread and oh, and Zach Jordan Whitbread. Harvey. Yeah, so oh, um, those were the two guys. So Jordan Harvey had been like one of the captains of the U seventeen national team. Was in my residency group, like the all in all like starter in that in that world Shafiq Simo then stepped in and became like sort of the big future left back he got into that the the, the car accident and kind of that threw everything off for for him for for his career but it's still Zach Whitbread that was at Liverpool at the time and 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 yeah, and, tough, and all of that so it was, it was it was it was tough to break in I had a, do, I wait, had a do run. you think do you think you made a mistake by taking that semester off you know do you think you would have been viewed as a little bit more like, oh, we should bring in Heath if you weren't around. But since they sit beside you every day, they're like, ah, oh, well, Jordan Harvey and Whitbread are better. <laughs> no, I actually was happy about that because Jordan okay, was okay, in a big okay. program at, at at UCLA. And like Zach, Zach Whitbread was obviously coming from a very high level environment and very mature for, for, for that age at like 18, 19. And I wanted to be in that environment because I, I knew, like I was pretty self-aware and maybe not super confident at that age that when I left there and was like, I didn't make it to me. It was like essentially explained to me as like, Oh, we're going to go with the guy that we've gone with always because there wasn't, I hadn't established enough of a gap to overthrow the status quo. Right. Um, and so that's how it was explained to me. Obviously at the time you're devastated and you're like F everybody like this is nonsense and, and not good enough. But looking back now, like I, there was a lot of those situations, even when it came to 2010 world cup where, we are in the pre-camp. I didn't think the pre-camp really meant anything for my role. I thought that I had kept myself in the conversation leading up, but really it was going to come down to the flip of a coin or a comfort or a preference of a coach. Like there wasn't like, it wasn't Landon Donovan not making mm -hmm. the world cup. Right. Mm -hmm. It was like, mm -hmm. it was like personal preference at that point where you have two, two players and you're going to go with the one that you want to go with. And, and, and I hadn't done enough to create that separation. And not, I don't even mean done enough. I probably wasn't good enough at that point to create that separation. But I say that because that was the biggest thing in the world to me. The U17 World Cup, I broke my leg. U20s got cut. And and I just felt like, you know, I was so close but so far that that was the biggest dream in the world to me at that point because it was it was, it was was like you could see it. Um, and so for some of these players that aren't going to get to do that, I think that's a really sad story. But I do think the game has changed to a point where these guys are all in professional environments. Like they yeah, are right, achieving right. other dreams and other goals and stepping towards things in a different way that I don't want to say it has less value because you always want to represent your country at any level. But there is a bigger argument from the clubs now that are like, dude, we spent $4 million on this guy. Like he's our player and he's in our first team and he's playing Bundesliga minutes. I'm not going to release him. Now you can be right, pissed that's off, different. That's but different. It, it's, it is different. Yeah. Wow. I learned more about you today, Heath. I didn't realize uh, you had so much heartbreak ahead of <laughs> World Cups in, uh, in every single. Uh, do you have an Olympic story as well? Oh, yeah, I do have the Olympic story. That's the Peter Novak when he's like, I'm taking you. as a, Like, I was never of age because, you know, the four year cycle makes I was like 18 to make the Olympic team. And I was like, yeah, yeah. in college, like, you know, trying to go to 
college parties. So, uh, so U 17 broke your leg. U 20 got cut Olympics Olympics. Uh, they told me I was going to be an overage player. No, no, no. Peter Novak told me, Hey, you need to get like clearance with your club. Cause I'm going to take you as one of the overage players. And then, um, and then he just never called me back again. And I like caused a fuss with my club where I was like, Hey, just so you know, like I want to go to the Olympics. This is a dream scenario caused a lot of tension. And then he just never called me back. Ended up taking Brad Guzan, Michael Parkhurst, and and Brian McBride um, as as Man. the three over ace. <laughs> but it was like that one was like, yeah, and I was I really did want to go to that one uh, uh, as an overage player, which was a bizarre. In Beijing. Yeah, yeah, and I was shocked to be an overage player that I was barely overaged. Um, but like you could have taken anyone, and like somehow I was on his list, and I was like, great, this is amazing. Uh, and then just never called me back. So Man. like, yeah, I've got nothing but. Uh, I'm captain almost, Jimmy. Like I've got a lot of like, I've got a frame on the wall for all the medals that I would have gotten. You know, like <laughs> you uh, are. We're gonna change your day from Hollywood to heartbreak. You're yeah, be heartbreak yeah. Heath from here on out. Wow. Honestly, that we is... would have won every one of those tournaments if they had me, and that's the thing that they have to live with every day. I don't. Have I, to love, that, I love. I love know? that. I love that. All right, let's bring it back then to our current U20 team. Very excited to see Darren Yappy get the call in. I know that I talked to Robin Frazier, coach of Colorado Rapids. Very pleased with his development and, and what he's done and his growth mindsets. Really loves his mentality and how he approaches the game. Gets himself in good spots. Now he's just got to finish those. That's something he's admitted as well publicly. So I'm excited to see you get him in. Cade Cowell, who plays for the Quakes, has been released to play. But he's un, he's ineligible to play against Ecuador due to a previous suspension or red card against Costa Rica and CONCACAF qualifying. So we're going to be a little thin, I think. 15 or 16 players for that first game. But... Uh, Given what I've seen from Ecuador and what I've read uh, and any highlights I can I can cobble together, I think we're going to have the goods uh, to make it happen. I want to give a shout out to Daniel Edelman. He is the captain of the U-20s. I suspect he will be this time around, too. Or Mauricio Cuevas has played uh, at, at, at right back for us in the Galaxy uh, and is also captain. But Edelman, for me, is interesting because he plays the holding midfield spot. He does an excellent job of protecting that back four. And when he wasn't there, Heath, in these three friendlies in March, we didn't. We scored two goals. That was against England. We lost 4-2. We lost 4-0 to France. We lost 4-2 to England. And we drew 0-0 with Serbia's U-21s. Edelman wasn't a part of any of those. Mm -hmm. Gaga Salinina was in goal. Josh Winder was getting minutes. No Edelman. And, and it's interesting when you miss a piece of somebody that knows how to play that position. Everybody comfortable in that position. He's got a lot of caps with the U-20s, Daniel Edelman. It makes a big difference, and I think he's a great extension to Mikey Varis on the field. So Edelman being in the team, I think, is going to help out a lot. Obviously, uh, you got Jack McGlynn, who's been fantastic, just continuing to gain experience for the Philadelphia Union. I think Brandon Craig will probably start center back next to Josh Winder. And then you have Jonathan Gomez, Real Sociedad, on the left side. I think Caleb Wiley might get the start at left wing instead of Cade Cal uh, and see how he can do uh, building off of his success early on this season with Atlanta United. I think Darren Yappy could play. Up high. I mean, you got some options, right? You got some other guys that can get in there. Uh, Quinn Sullivan as well. So, so I'm excited about this team. I, I'm definitely gonna be trying to make time to watch every single one of these games. I think I should say this too. We're the only nation, Heath, to have gotten to the quarterfinals of the last three U20 World Cups. The only nation. Now, what's interesting is we haven't gotten past the quarterfinals. And, and I want to know from you, do you think we have the talent to finally break through? We've gotten to the final four of the U-20 World Cup just once back in 1989. Do you think we can do it? I actually do. I, I mean, obviously, you know how tournaments go. It's it's pathway, right? It's it's if it's one thing to say if you're going to win the tournament, you got to be able to beat everybody all the way along the way. Yeah. To get from the, the 
beyond the quarters into a, into a semi, into a whatever, like it is a little bit about pathway and you're going to have to be good on the day that you're going to have to face your, you know, Argentina or, you know, whoever else it is that you're going to have to face along the way. And I think that's a, that's, that's difficult, right? Um, Cause eventually you're going to have to face Argentina. You're going to have to face a good Colombia. You're going to have to face a good African side in like Senegal, a, J- a Japan, like Brazil, I'm just looking at the Italy, Nigeria, like group of death there, Brazil, Italy, Nigeria in, in a group. Uh, you're going to have to, you're going to have to eventually, you're going to have to eventually face uh, a South Korea or a France. Um, and yeah, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you want to have to play somebody, somebody good. you're going to play yeah. somebody along the way and you're going to have to be really good on that day. We beat um, France. We beat France last time around. Yeah. In the round of 16. I think, I think tournament play, what I like about the players that we have now and the players that we're putting into this, they're they're all coming out of professional environments, right? Of mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. of where they've had to learn as young players of mistakes of being punished. And when you get into group play versus knockout rounds of being able to play a little bit more of a chess match, of being a little bit more clever, of changing your tactics. Now I'm, you know, my hope is that they have a simplified system where they're able to deploy something different in group stages than they do. Just like our our we talked about with our men's team at the World Cup or our women's teams at the World Cup, like the youth teams have to be able to be modular in, in how they approach a game or an opponent. And it's hard at the youth level because you don't have a ton of information about, you have results like you talked about, right? Wins, losses, draws, you have some video, but you don't like national team level, especially at the youth level. There's such a mystery in who's getting released, what players you are, what formation, all those things that it does require a certain level of experience and intelligence of players on the field to just compete. Um, and so, uh, but I guess long to be great, man. I'm really excited. Yeah, long-windedly, I think this team can uh, make it to a semifinal. But it's going to, right now, when I look at, like, who's the star yes. player that's going to take over games, someone's going to have to be a breakout star for the U.S., right? Right. We know all right. these guys are good. Darren Yappy, you can see the potential. You can look at, you know, Jack McGlynn, you see the potential. Uh, Pukstas, you see the potential. But someone's going to have to be that one that leaves this tournament and goes, every club in the world is looking at this guy now. I, I got um, my dark horse, Diego Luna. I really love his game. He plays for Real Salt Lake and, uh, no, he doesn't play for it. He play the, he's at the club, but he doesn't play for no, Real Okay, Salt fine. <laughs> I know. Okay, well, he plays more for their, their second yeah, team, but yeah, I really which is like a shame. It's he's a shame. so good. He's, yeah. He's so good. He's got the sauce. All right. We're going to take our first break of in soccer. We trust when we come back, we're going to talk about Oguchi and Yewu open cup and do a little weekend preview. So don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It is back, everybody. Due to popular demand, UEFA are giving you a final chance to win your limited edition Champions League Elite FUT 23 kits. Yes, winners also receive a digital copy of the FIFA 23 video game. So I have a question. Will you join the Champions League Elite? The UCL Elite FUT 23 kit final drop. Secure your limited edition kit now. And a foot package for the best of the best. Enter now at UEFA.com slash elite. Pretty sick jersey. All yeah, things we, we get one of those? I hope we do. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. What, anyway, who, welcome back who, to Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heartbreak Heath Pierce. <laughs> Just told us his heartbreaking story at every step. All of them. Of the world. All of them. 
Uh, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies joined us for about three minutes and had to bounce because he's got some TV responsibilities on the Golasso channel. You guys should go check that out. He's doing a little preview for the Europa League semifinals, leg one right now, and uh, definitely be watching those games a little later. But let's talk about one of our former teammates. Okay, Heath Oguchian Yewu has just been appointed as the VP of Sporting. And that sounds like a made-up <laughs> position, but I don't even care. Yeah. Okay, he's going to report to the new sporting director, Matt Crocker. He's not the general manager, which is the role that Brian McBride had, but he's going to have a lot of the gen general manager responsibilities from what I understand, i.e. he's going to help in the hiring of the coach for the U.S. men's national team. He is going to start establishing contacts with the player pool mm -hmm. and all of the clubs so that there are good relationships on both sides to make sure we can uh, grease any wheels. And, and another one that I really liked, he's going to try to find more funding for our extended national teams. That's, that's, that's our disability national teams, our youth national teams, uh, all that type of stuff. So, so I'm glad he's thinking that way. And I'm glad that they're thinking that way too, to make sure. Do you think that was his, like, it just feels like a little bit of a bolt on role and responsibility. Do you think that was something that he, I mean, I could probably just ask him, but like that he was passionate about and wanted to have as like part of his remit of like, Hey, I think, you know, this is important for me as well. It just feels like wildly important, but like also maybe not like a vertical like list of roles and responsibilities that you would expect from that when it comes to like, oh, and funding. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, Heather Tercios in the chat said they admitted that this was a new position completely made up. And I think it's a good one. He's not exactly the guy. He's not Matt Crocker yet. But I think yet is the important word here, Heath. But is this he not just the GM role that Brian McBride had? I, I guess. It feels I don't, that way. I don't it think that GM, way. I think, it's a, I think it's closer to the role of what the expectations of or what Brian McBride was doing than general manager. I think general manager is all-encompassing in terms of its title. And this does, I mean, VP of Sporting, um, no, which means I, I feel it's like weird. It's, it's very European and it's very like progressive. Well, who's the of like, president of sporting then? Would that be considered yeah. Matt Crocker? Yeah, as a sporting director. Okay, it is. So. It is. It is backwards in terms of a sporting director, right? Because so you have you're the talking president about, of the sport. Sporting yeah. is Matt Crocker. Matt and Crocker. His VP. His number two is yeah. going to be Oguchi Anyewu. Yeah. That would just be easier. I think hierarchical. It doesn't make sense, but you wouldn't have like a uh, like a uh uh sporting president you know like it's a weird like generally i think the term is better understood as a sporting director and maybe maybe that's actually not what his title is but i i, I assume that's what it i think that's what it is um but the vp of 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 sporting titles are all negotiable and and right. roles that like they don't always make sense you want them to make sense but like i think it, it in in you're right jimmy in the way that it actually lives it would be president of sporting and vp of of, of sporting that's maybe right. has you know, some of these roles and responsibilities reports into the president and, and is doing a little bit more of that club management, relationship management, you know, that sort of thing. And funny. we get a, We get a good question here from Patrick Walsh. What's up, Patrick? Thanks for the support. He says, are they hiring a GM too? Or is this a new role in Crocker? And they're just both taking on new and more responsibilities. I think they still will hire a GM because that will be specific to the U.S. men's national team. Gooch very similar to Matt Crocker, is not just overseeing the U.S. men's national team. It's also the women's team. It's the youth national teams. It's the extended national teams. So mm -hmm. that is encompassing a lot. And I think that Gooch is a great hire for this in a lot of different ways. And I think his experience as a player and as a professional, actually, Matt Crocker uh, said this 
I, I kind of echoing his sentiments. He said his, his experience as a player and sports executive coupled, coupled with his deep understanding of U.S. soccer, Oguchi will be invaluable as we continue to strengthen our sporting initiatives. We all look forward to working closely with him. Mm-hmm. Pretty boilerplate. But, but I do think that having his voice having him see what he's seen behind the scenes in many different situations, whether it's with the national team, whether it's at the club level and trying to think, Hey, I, I lived through this and I, that's not how it should be. I remember Gooch being very vocal about kind of the rights and wrongs of how things should be run. And I knew always knew yeah. it. he'd be probably a pretty good front office guy. Like he doesn't have an iPhone because he's very, uh, gonna have to get one if he's gonna stay in contact no he's very no the world doesn't operate on that ios the world operates on whatsapp jimmy be a man of the people whatsapp <laughs> is the place where everybody communicates globally talking about i think like 90 percent of the world doesn't have an iphone but he is very particular about not wanting like i i i, I say that he, jokingly but he's a man he, of conviction for his reasons right and does and he I have a that, flip phone i would just want to know if he's like whipping out the flip phone i, hey, I need that visual in my life I, I will say that when i was in the stadium uh for the champions league final humble brag the Qatari uh, royal family was in the suite next to our suite. I was in a suite, humble brag. And uh, their security was, this, their security was around, <laughs> but the, 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 the son of the ruler of the country, the emir of the country, um, had a old school, small Nokia phone with a wired in headphone. No and way. Maybe that's because of security reasons, like not, like it's not, connected to the internet it's just a phone right and harder so to track steal, maybe it's a burner yeah, sure, or sure. whatever it is and and there's a lot of things in a phone that i think a royal family member uh you know a little bit of bant- a little bit of banter with heath and jimmy might cause some some <laughs> trouble in the hands of the wrong, if he's wrong taking nudes. Yeah. Yeah. uh yeah and so he just had this phone and i remember looking at it and he had it in his hand next to me and he was trying to he was talking to somebody on the other part of the stadium and just having the like old school wired thing and i looked at the it's phone like a and walkie I was like, talkie. Wow. yeah uh <laughs> are you calling from a walkie talkie <laughs> it's uh so, so this whole visual now of gooch yeah. with burner phones yeah. all around the u.s and europe to try to secure I, players for our i want yeah. i want i want our vp <laughs> of sporting to have four phones and every time they sit down or every time they're viewed on the TV of saying, oh, you have uh, Oguchi Onyewe out uh, at uh, Standard Liège where we have a player playing, connecting with the club again. That when they show the visual, it's him with four old school burner phones in his hand. You know, like very busy guy, important guy, but not on the iOS system. You know, can I can I share and maybe I've already shared this so you can stop me if I have about Oguchi Onyewe. We were just qualified for the 2010 World Cup. We were in D.C. Were you in that camp? You weren't in that camp, I don't think. No, and um, he had because because we had qualified down in Honduras and then in D.C. we were playing Costa Rica and and uh, that he had set up this thing at a club to go out and he goes, hey, everybody, we need two hundred and fifty dollars each. And that OK, that adds up pretty quick, you know, and, and we're going to have our own little section. We're going to get, mm-hmm. you know, the VIP treatment, blah, blah, blah. We're like, all right, whatever, Gooch, you know, so we all give him two hundred fifty bucks and. After the game, you know, it takes a while to get out of the stadium. Everybody gets showered. Guys have to do drug testing. You get on the bus. Then when you you amble back to the hotel, you're not going to wear your sweats to this thing. So guys go get, you know, put on the the, the cologne and, and the nice stuff. We, we The bus stays for us. We pay the bus driver a little bit to, to uh, wait for us and take us over there. We go over there. We get over there like 1230, 1245 a.m. We all walk in and the owner tells Gooch, 
that we got to He's got to shut it down at 1 a.m. <laughs> Did you get your money back? No, we didn't get our money back. Gooch, did you at least I still have spray a the bottles. Uh, do you spray we the bottles? Just spray them on everyone. Dude. We had to go in with uh, like a little fancy wave, sat in our spots, and we had to bounce, dude. We got yeah. kicked out. We paid two hundred fifty dollars each for like five minutes, and I'm still bitter about it. I didn't even get a drink. Yeah, just qualified is... for a World mm. Cup. Hey, I will say we were talking about bees getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. The one thing that bees always did, Speed had the, bees had this thing, and maybe directly indirectly, but he always used his match bonuses to take us out after a game. Like we were going out like I, the amount of times that I used to be like, yo, let me know, let me know, let me know. And he'd be like, no, I got it. Don't worry about it. Like he took the, we, we played Brazil and Chicago, took everyone out like Brazilian national team players, us like everything just like, ah, don't worry. I got it. And and like, I always tried to, like I got hit with a few bills, uh, by, by teammates over the years that, uh, you know, when, when that, uh, those lights come on and the and the check comes out and they go where where did everyone go that's weird uh, but bees was one that was always like made yeah, it easy for us and took care of us and was super generous um that yeah i, I shout out to bees yeah shout out to bees he's fantastic with that type of stuff i remember i was covering the gold cup final in chicago 2013 maybe and us wins everybody's celebrating and i'm on the outside now right i'm not in the group i don't have they're not letting anybody in to go celebrate. Guys are popping beers and champagne all over the place. Locker room's getting crazy. Bees comes out and he sees me and he knows that I was once a part of it, right? So he 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 kind of gives you the, like, you know, the knowing bees nod or yeah. the wink. So he goes back into the thing, brings out a beer for me. And he's like, hey, you're still part of the group, man. And uh, I'll never forget that. Now, once he went back in, security guards like you can't drink out here and took it away from me like ten seconds. <laughs> I can't Jimmy, get a goddamn you can't drink. Get a drink. I can't can, can anybody get Jimmy a drink Come around on, here? Heartbreak Jimmy over here. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, uh, so so did you ever play credit card roulette? Oh yeah. With the guys. Yeah. My yeah. first ever camp. We were at Gold Cup. It was in Seattle for our first game against Cuba, and we played credit card roulette. And we went to some big giant steakhouse. There's 15 guys, and I don't. The bill was I don't know, eight nine hundred bucks. And I just got all my per diem for the month, which is pretty much eight or nine hundred bucks. And I lost and I had to pay. Ah, it's a little, this is the little thing. I actually remember those types of moments more than than. Oh, yeah, uh, I did it. We did it. We did a uh, credit card roulette, which for those that don't know, um, don't play it. But like if you, yeah, if you want to, you put all your credit <laughs> cards in together. It. They draw them out. The last one out of the hat or, or you say the first don't one gets drawn. It. Uh, usually it's the last one out has to pay for everybody. We were in South Africa, Jimmy, for uh, Confederations Cup, and yeah. we were like 23 people plus like <laughs> oh, 10 security hurts. plus like all the staff and all these things. Like we were probably close to 40 <laughs> oh. at like this long table at like a South African steakhouse. You can't, you don't, you can't agree to that. The thing is, there's so much peer pressure. Yeah, I got out like, and it was obviously only like the players that were there um, and everybody put in and I got out pretty early. And I remember Gooch was actually the second to last uh, to go out. It was, it was like head, he was head to head with somebody. I can't remember what it was. And when he, when they drew his, he got up and started yelling, screaming and running around this restaurant. It was a big, (laughs) big restaurant making a scene, but like, that's the relief you get no matter how much money you have. It's it's, not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling. All right. Back on topic. So Jesse Marsh apparently was in Chicago for their open cup game. And he declined to comment on the U.S. men's national team job. This is what he said, Heath, and everybody listening and watching. There have been a lot of little discussions about potential opportunities, which I always love those discussions because it's important to get to the bottom of understanding what the vision is. From my perspective and from different clubs' perspective, I'm fortunate that there's still people that are interested in what I do. 
I still love coaching and my next job will be all about finding the best fit possible. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I read Jesse Marsh quotes in Bob Bradley's voice because I feel like he got coached by Bob for so long. He doesn't know how to answer questions other than like <laughs> yeah. thinking about what Bob would say in this <laughs> situation. But but I when, when I read that, I don't read it as he's coming to the national team. I read it as he's looking at a club for sure. Yeah. What do you think? I, 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 mean, we've I got over it before, but just yeah, I agree. Like, I think, I think for him, you know, to come out of the, it, it's a tough decision, right? He's going to get the job to 26 if they offer it to him and potentially a second cycle if they overperform. It's a lot of pressure in that job, but you're removing yourself from the progress he's made as a coach. Now, he hasn't been necessarily what I would say is successful uh, in his last two jobs, right? But every coach is successful until they're not uh, right. in the in the job or the next job or the next job. But I think he probably has, and he's probably feeling the interest from clubs. We've we've seen that in England, whether it was in distressed club situations or or otherwise, there is a belief in him. And so, whether they're little conversations or big conversations, he's obviously recognizing like, oh, I'm being validated by this type of interest. I want to keep going. And if you take the national team job, you're going to take a no matter how well you unless you way over index. Um, say a semifinal, and I don't say that's over indexing, but a, a successful based on expectations, a semifinal of a World Cup or quarterfinal or way in which you're playing, you're taking a risk of your club career, right? And the club career could be another 20 years for Jesse if he wanted. And so there's definitely some, not to say it's one or the other because it's not binary, but but there is some, it's like anything, Jimmy, like in life, there's there's some consequences and some sacrifice that needs to be made for decision. And ultimately there is, something ha you have to give up something or risk something to get the other. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Jesse Marsh. I think we can all agree that this next move for him is really important for his career because as some people are mentioning in the chat, if he goes to another club and it doesn't go the way that he wants or, or it just is another short stay, like he's had his last two jobs. What does that mean for his reputation moving forward? And would he be a candidate for the U S after that, maybe after this particular World Cup cycle. I don't know. There, there's a lot to unpack here. And I think that's why he's probably taking his time to make sure he finds the best possible situation. Well, he's close to a he's close, he's close to being a big club manager, right? Like he's close. And this next job is what I think. He has to prove it though, whatever this next he's, he's got he's got to prove it. We know he could come back and he'll get an MLS job or he can get a job for certain level of clubs that are a career successful manager, but he is teetering on or uh, yeah, like, on, on the ability the to be a, right. a top-level manager. The next job has got to be right. a successful one, which is probably why he's like, no, that doesn't make sense. Like he's he's thinking he's being very strategic about that, which is a privilege, by the way, because three years ago, Jesse Marsh probably would have jumped at all of those for the opportunities. Now he's established enough things at at um, in in uh, in in um, Leeds in particular, yeah, Austria, and then Leeds at the big big moment. Uh, Leipzig not as not as much and. The second part of Leeds, not 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 as much, but he's now I think in a position where there's a little bit of a two way conversation that 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 he's earned. Now the next step is the most important. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take our second and last break of in soccer. We trust when we come back, we will talk the U.S. Open Cup and we will do a weekend preview, and it will be a lot of fun. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to in soccer. We trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heartbreak Heath Pierce, and if you're a U.S. based fan of the beautiful game, Paramount Plus is an absolute must-have subscription, everybody, from Serie A to the Champions League to NWSL and so much more in between. And if you're not sure that it's for you, 
Well, I have a lot of questions about what you're doing with your life, but we will allow you to try one month for free by using the code Europe. So go make that happen. All right, Heath, we promised a little Open Cup chatter. We promised a little weekend preview. Open Cup draw for the round of 16 is going to be happening right when this show ends. If you're listening to this on your podcast platform of choice, well, it might already be dropped at this point. Uh, but you should go check it out because there were a couple of cup sets as they were actually just one. Pittsburgh Riverhounds taking down the New England Revolution 1-0. Heath, that's a Sweet. pretty big result. But uh, Orlando City, the defending champions, getting knocked out in Charlotte 1-0. The Sac Republic, last season's finalists against Orlando City, losing to the Rapids 4-2 at home. LAFC started all teenagers, Heath, for the most part. Actually, they had... I think eight teenagers in their starting lineup. They had a couple guys that were 20, and then they had a 38-year-old dad in goal uh, yeah, who it. ended up uh, saving some penalties. But that was a crazy game. Uh, LAFC were down a goal, or excuse me, up a goal, gave it up late to a guy named Simon Dawkins, for all you Tottenham fans out there, who'd been retired for three years. And Monterey Bay head coach Frank Yalp had to talk him out of retirement to come out. He scored in the 90th minute. It came on as a sub. To make right. it one-one, then it goes into extra time. Monterey Bay scores first. A twenty-year-old scores. It's his first minutes of the season with the team, which is crazy. And then LAFC uh, tie it late to make it two-two. Goes into penalties, and that thirty-year-old dad goalkeeper uh, scores his own penalty that makes a save to win it. Unbelievable scenes for that. But that's what I love about the Open Cup. We get these types of stories. I'm just giving you one with Monterey Bay and LAFC. Mm -hmm. But LAFC squeaked by there. The revs going down. I thought was. Uh, Pretty big surprise. The the only USL versus USL matchup was one-way traffic for the Legion, Birmingham, who beat Memphis 901-3-0. Cincinnati, though, getting a big result. First time they beat an NYCFC, I think, if I'm correct there. So when we look at all these, the Galaxy beat the Sounders 3-1. Uh, that, that's a big result. What do you say, Heath, in terms of which of these last 16 teams that have won? Which one do you think or two or three are going to really try to push on to win this thing? Because we know that not all MLS clubs look at it the same way. Uh, I mean, LA Galaxy rolled out their best team uh, against uh, Sounders, and I didn't know any of the Sounders players. Uh, so they're one that I think, again, they they went out there, and and it's not often you get a chance to really dominate. Again, I think Galaxy have, have actually dominated a couple of games this year, but they've only got that one win. But they've rolled out their, their top team, against the Sounders like B or C team. And and that could be a big confidence builder or for them, a belief that there's something out there for them. For for anyone below Major League Soccer, it's really tough to tell right now just because we're in this thick of the year that each game is going to come with a set of like, you look at it within the calendar of a season, right? Um, and you say, okay, over the next eight weeks, we've got, or next, I think I talked to Greg Vanny a couple weeks ago and he was like, over the next 24 days, we've got, eight games potentially if they advance in the open cup. And so when you get to that window, you look at like injuries, you look at like tensions, you look at the team, you look at the opportunity, you go, is it best to put our first team out right now? Or do we rotate? Do we go a little bit deeper? And so it's really hard sometimes well, well, to predict. What if you at. have, well, yeah, taking that into consideration, what if the open cup was your best chance to win a trophy this season? Cause the galaxy, okay. They would need a miracle run at this point to, Right the ship and get into the playoffs. Maybe not that big of a run because well, their goal is that they have to get into the playoffs in advance. I guess based on Chris uh, Chris Klein's promise to them of, <laughs> of where he will walk out. Otherwise, we'll um, see if he follows through on that. I mean, he kind of he kind of has to. Yeah, he has now, to. At but, this like point. the Galaxy's got to somehow uh, turn turn that turn that around. But yeah, I think 
when you look at it through that context, then yeah, I, I think you look at the LA Galaxy and there's not going to be a better team on paper that 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 puts out that quality of a team that's going to beat the LA Galaxy in the Open Cup. That could be a big, big one for them this year as well. I mean, when you look at the seriousness that they took that match, knowing that they need to find a form and a rhythm, and maybe it was just a blip because they needed that game to, to bounce back and they needed to get a win. They needed to feel good in the locker room, which you and I have been in teams where you know, leading up to a match like that, they're like, oh, you're not going to play. And then things go wrong for three weeks. And you're like, yeah, we're playing our best team today because we need every minute we can on the field to like try to figure this out. Um, that that would be my, my what I think has the best opportunity. What about you? Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's some clubs that are going to take it super serious. And and I respect that. I, I think that uh, it'd be interesting to see how Colorado does. They're on a crazy unbeaten streak. Haven't lost since March. And kind of flying under the radar in multiple competitions. I, I like the Columbus crew. There's something about what they're doing and what they're building. I could see them, and I thought they were pretty excellent against Luton United in their 5-1 win. Uh, I, I wonder about the other ones. I mean, yeah, the Galaxy, I think, will continue to roll out a good team. Ben Olsen's done a great job with the Houston Dynamo. They beat Sporting Kansas City, even though they were down a man for 55 minutes, 1-0. Salt Lake outlasting Portland 4-3. It's... I don't know. You start to get into these later rounds. And at what point does this kick in? Because I want to remind everybody, you win the Open Cup, you get an automatic spot into the CONCACAF Champions League. And the draw, by the way, is is literally in 10 minutes uh, yeah. for the next round. Um, That's going to play into it, right? Who, yeah. who are you playing? Who's hosting? And, and everything that goes into that. But uh, I'm curious about LAFC. Obviously, they have the talent if they played and rolled out their top team, right, to win this competition. Mm -hmm. But apparently, the next round is right before the first leg or the week before the first leg of the CONCACAF Champions League final. Mm -hmm. And then if they get past the round of 16, the quarterfinal would be right after the second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League final. And so if you're Steve Trundolo and given what we've already seen from him and his intention in this tournament, we're going to see a lot of teenagers, I think, for that first one. Maybe the second one changes if they're, oh, I don't know, coming off the potentially winning the CONCACAF Champions League final. Probably not going to roll out all your top guys. So they might, might have another two rounds of teenagers, which doesn't bode well because at some point, as they showed, a little bit of lack of uh, experience in trying to close yeah. up. Against but what an awesome opportunity for the young players to like. Totally. To Dude, they got some they got some super talented guys. You have like a second team, you have academy, and the opportunity. I, I remember when I first started doing some broadcast stuff, I was doing the Red Bull twos just to get reps and learn like what broadcast is. And I remember watching a lot of these players that were like 16 playing on in, in USL that weren't, they were still Academy kids. Right. And like the opportunity to play against adults and push yourself. And now you add the layer of consequence of like you lose and you go home, like as a learning moment for a young player or a young team can go really wrong, but by and large is, is a great opportunity. And it's still in, in the regions, right. Of, of how it's going to break up. So you have Southeast, you have Legion, Charlotte FC, uh, Birmingham Legion, that is, Inter-Miami, and Nashville Central is Austin, Chicago, Houston, Minnesota. So now we're all MLS in there. The West is uh, Colorado, LA, Galaxy, LAFC, Real Salt Lake. And then you have Northeast, which is Columbus, FC Cincinnati, New York Red Bulls, and just the the Riverhound. So um, not a lot of, I mean, you're, you're basically two teams left out of 16 um, that are non-MLS clubs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So, yeah, keep an eye out for the Open Cup draw. It's going to be happening here right after the show. And uh, I think we're going to get some tasty matchups. All right, let's get into a little bit of our weekend preview before we let everybody go and enjoy their lives. What I want to watch is the championship playoff in England. 
right now we have two Americans involved. We got Sunderland, actually three. We got Lyndon Gooch who, who plays for Sunderland. Sunderland and Luton. Ethan Horvath is a goalkeeper for Luton. And then Coventry is taking on Middlesbrough. And Zach Steffen is a goalkeeper for Middlesbrough. Listen, this is worth a lot of money for one of these four clubs, right? This is the semifinals, championship playoff semis. And then if you win this, you get into uh, the final. And the winner of that final goes and gets promoted to the Premier League. So a lot at stake here. Now, Luton were in this position last year, 12 months ago. And they lost to Huddersfield, who ended up losing in the final. Sunderland were in League One last year, but they got promoted to the championship based on getting through the playoffs. So they've kind of been through this. They're on a nine-game unbeaten streak. They needed to win in their last game to get into this position, and they hammered Preston 3-0. So uh, Sunderland could be could be a good shout. With regard to Coventry and Middlesbrough, you know, Middlesbrough can score a lot of goals, and, and I hope that they make that happen. But I'm very curious uh, what's going to happen in these, these particular particular games and so much at stake. One game's on Saturday. The other one's on Sunday. If you want to check them out, obviously there's other games going on. Uh, Leeds hosting Newcastle is going to be another one in England that we're keeping our eyes on from a Leeds perspective. Mm-hmm. And as a Newcastle fan, of course, as we try to get closer to uh top four and secure that uh, Heath, any, any games that you are looking forward to? Uh, the, um, for me, it's just, again, monitoring the Celta Vigo, uh, Valencia, good uh, matchup that it could be just the win that they need. Celta Vigo are not in great form right now either, um, in the last few matches. So this could be one where, you know, or, uh, one where it could be the thing that secures them, uh, within the league. Although, you know, I think we, we both hope to see, see, um, Eunice Musa leave the club after this season or get a tra- good transfer somewhere. I mean, I get the sense he's going to anyway, right? Yeah. I don't know. There's another American matchup in Germany. Borussia Dortmund is taking on Borussia Mönchengladbach. Scally hasn't been playing uh, the last couple games, so we'll see if uh, Reyna and Scally might be giving each other high fives uh, just on the bench <laughs> before the game. But obviously a lot at stake in the Bundesliga. Bayern Munich are on top by one point over Dortmund. And we'll see if Bayern can win their, I don't know, 100th straight Bundesliga title. No. Uh, and then obviously from an MLS perspective, there's always some big games going on. You got the New York Derby between the Red Bulls and NYCFC. That should be a good one. Montreal and Toronto face off. Rival- rivalry other. week. It's like an eight-day rivalry week. Rivalry week. Not every match is a rivalry game, but there are some some good ones over the next kind of. Yeah, week. Montreal-Toronto one is interesting because there was some fan violence in their Canadian Championship game, which Montreal won in Toronto. No, to- I told Charlie. I told Charlie I'm gonna throw him in the mix somewhere and let him experience some of these. There, there are some. There are some some. Supporter groups, hooligans, there's ultras, there's all kinds of things. And just a few days after, I I mentioned like you feel that in some of these stadiums. Yeah, there's some tension, man. There's some tension. And you know, I don't, I don't, I don't like violence, but you know, just pointing that out. Apparently, this is the friendliest rivalry in MLS. My Sporting Kansas City taking on Minnesota United. You have the Timbers taking on Vancouver. That's a Cascadia Cup rivalry. Austin taking on FC Dallas in Austin. So a little Texas derby. So a lot of great games all over the place. We're going to try to watch as, as many as we possibly can. And uh, that's pretty much it. So I'm, I'm, uh, this has been a good show. I, I, I miss Charlie, of course, but you know what? It's all good. He's going to be yeah, joining more, us next week. More room for my sad stories, Jimmy. I know. More, more, more time for you to really. 
Yeah, Mike saying, true story, I'm a really short guy and saw Heath on Melrose, asked for his autograph, but he ignored me because he thought I was a 10-year-old. <laughs> no, I ignored you, Mike, because you were in full kit on Melrose, okay? <laughs> it's exactly, you know That's exactly, amazing. you had your shin That's guards amazing. on, you were walking down the street in cleats, I could hear the cleats going, you know, Jimmy, when you got to cross the concrete sometimes on training grounds. <laughs> I, I could hear Mike coming, coming, coming up behind me in his full kit, you know? That's amazing. All right, everybody, we're going to call it a show. So on behalf of producer Dez, Producer Alex, I guess Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies, Heartbreak Heath, and myself, Cream Cheese, Conradinho Conrad. We want to say thank you for listening and watching for all your support as always. And a shout out to all the moms and grandmas and great grandmas out there that uh, make the world a better place because of all their love. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And we will see you next week. Later. <laughs>